is the Oil Country Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 Oilers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. We are proudly presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. As always, I am your host, John, from Edmonton, Alberta. And let's bring in my co-host, Kyle, from Montreal. Kyle, what's going on, my dude? Not much. Just finally had an absolutely beautiful day here in Montreal. So I was on the back porch reading all day and, yeah, just enjoying my life, I guess, or as much as I can during the quarantine, right? Nice. Yeah, trying to get a little bit of fresh air, I guess, if, if you can. Um, but, yeah, what else have you been doing to kind of keep yourself busy? I mean, dude, I, I spent way too much money on some Lego sets. So that was something that I... <laughs> nice, the nostalgia. Dude, they, they released this uh, this like Barracuda Bay pirate set from when me and you were kids that they uh, like relaunched, right? And uh, okay, and I I'm obsessed now. Like, yeah, <laughs> me and my girlfriend have become total Lego nerds over the last month. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome, man! I I used to be so into Lego as a kid. I loved that shit, like, dude. I every Christmas that was all I wanted. I straight up, like that's what I Lego gave set. my mom for Mother's Day. There, I sent her uh, some Lego. She she collects yes, Santa. Dude, I know, dude. I was like, you're gonna wow. get in on my hobby too. Yeah, um, <laughs> she she collects Santas. Like that's her thing, right? She actually has a, a beautiful tree at Christmas time, right? She's got Santas from everywhere. She's traveled around the world, so you know that'd be like a. Santa on the Eiffel Tower or Jamaican Santa smoking a blunt like type of idea. Yeah. So uh so yeah, Lego has these little they're they're called prick heads. They're kinda like those pop figures um that okay. are super popular. And uh and yeah, so I got her Mr. and Mrs. Claus, uh, and then Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and a couple elves and stuff like that for her to build. And she was ecstatic. She was loving it. So I guess we forgot to kind of give a shout out the last episode that was like that dropped the day after. But yeah, shout out to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day from from Kyle and I. That was I feel like it, it, that's Love one of the mom. kind of downsides about this like whole quarantine thing too. Hey, like not really being able to to see relatives as much. Or I, I know some people were able to, but yeah. Well, I mean, we're not going to be negative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can still look around it. I mean, my girlfriend's mother came out here uh, last week. Obviously, didn't enter the house, right? But we just kind of stood outside on the front and you know still talked and socialized. It just sucks you can't give her a hug or whatever, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's what we have to do, I guess, right? Yeah, so. everybody's making sacrifices, so absolutely. Um, on today's episode, we have a incredibly, incredibly important guest. And we have been uh, trying to coordinate this for the better part of two months. And not on his feelings whatsoever. It was my bad with having some hardware issues with my laptop. Typical. But what's that? I said typical. Yeah, typical me. I know, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, so we are stoked to have Matt Brown. He um, will give you a little bit more of a rundown in the interview, but he was about 10 years ago. He was a 15 year old hockey player in Massachusetts and had an incidental collision and went headfirst into the boards and was paralyzed from the neck down. So this guy, man, like one had an absolute blast talking to him. Like it's, I, you know, you, you get somebody in that situation. We, I was a little bit worried it was going to be a bummer of an episode, right? Like you don't want to be, it's a super serious topic, but I felt like he does such a good job of keeping it light. Uh, he's a very, very positive person. And yeah, I just, I, I can't say enough positive things. Honestly, man, I had such a blast, such a blast talking to him. Yeah. He's an amazing guy. I was super fortunate that we got to talk to him for sure. His story is absolutely incredible. And I mean, I think it's something that, uh, 
you know, maybe not typical for how stupid you and I can be on the oil country podcast typically, but, um, I like getting guests like really this. Opening, I just, yeah. I like, I, because I just stay quiet. I just let them rant, dude. And it's, it's such a pleasure to, to have these people on here that can, you know, just go yeah, off yeah, and tell an interesting story yeah. and they have an interesting perspective on, on life and, and you know, that, that sort of episode for a little bit of a change up. But I think it's, it's really something that everybody can take something away from this episode. So without further ado, here is our interview with Matt Brown. Hope you enjoy everybody. Okay, Oilers fans, today's episode, we have an extremely special guest to have on. We've been really looking forward to having him on and to share his story with everybody listening and and Kyle and I as well. Um, A little over 10 years ago, a collision during a high school hockey game left 15-year-old Matt Brown paralyzed from the neck down. In the 10 years since the collision, Matt has been busy. He graduated high school, college, and is currently pursuing a master's degree He has written a book about his story titled Line Change, A True Story of Resilience in the Face of Adversity. Matt delivers inspirational speeches to schools and civic organizations across the United States, and that's not all. He and his family have also created the Matt Brown Foundation with the aim to financially and emotionally support others that have been impacted by neck and spinal cord injuries. Matt Brown, welcome to the Oil Country Podcast, and thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Yeah, you know, it's... um you know, still living life uh, through the quarantine and social distancing, but um, so far so good. That's good to hear. Good to hear everybody's staying safe as well and, and trying to stay as, you know, occupied as possible. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, one of the things just like with my injury is that, uh, you know, my lungs aren't as strong as, you know, they used to be and uh, my immune system isn't as strong either. So I have to take this, you know, probably a little bit more, uh, serious than others my age or around my age uh, are probably doing. Um, so, so I'm definitely, you know, following the guidelines and stuff. And I mean, that, that's a great example, just as far as, um, you know, w- with someone that is having lung issues or, or others that might be immunocompromised. That's another great example as to why even people that don't, you know, suffer from illnesses or anything like that need to be smart and follow those guidelines as well and, and keep everybody else safe. So that's a, you know, a, a applicable topic on uh, in today's world unfortunately yeah no we're uh yeah we're hearing from doctors and you know a lot of my friends you know in our text groups um you know they're not they're bummed and they're not taking it you know as serious as they might they might should but uh it, they understand with me that it it's going to be it's going to be a little bit before we can get back together and you know in in tight quarters like like we used to do, it's, it's still the six foot uh, radius. Right. Which is unfortunate, but you know, m- more important things as far as your health and everybody else's health. Exactly. As well. But, exactly. um, and, you know, as we kind of get into it, we obviously are, we want to hear a lot about your story and, and your experience and, and everything that happened there. But, you know, before when typically when we have guests, before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of the episode, if you will, we do like to kind of have a, a little bit of a, you know, an origin story or, or a little bit of getting to know you segment. So we are curious. So you are from a little bit south of Boston in Massachusetts. Is that correct? I am uh, just about, you know, 15, 20 minutes outside the city. And you're, you're a Bruins fan as well. Is that you're, you're still a big hockey fan? Absolutely. You know, I, I think with the injury, you know, my love for the game, only grew and it's it's great to have a team you know like the boston bruins you know in, in your backyard and you know one be so supportive of you but you know play you know caliber hockey that 
you enjoy tuning into uh, every night. And I, I do have to say, you or Cal and I both listen to the uh, the Stick and Rink podcast, which is for anyone that's that's unaware, is our Vancouver affiliate on the Hockey Podcast Network. And Matt, I've got to give you you know kind of some kudos before we get into it here because you made an episode of a Stick and Rink podcast not about like whacking off and poop jokes and whatever else. It was actually a pretty like serious, entertaining episode. So just a little bit of a dig it's at those guys. Yeah. Credit yeah. is due. You, you, you really, uh, <laughs> you really brought out a, a different character of those guys. Good. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I, when I hopped on, I, I was excited. I, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, this isn't like the normal, you know, talks or a podcast that I hop on. Um, and I was excited and, you know, by the end of it, you could tell that the mood was a little different. I said, you know, I said to myself, geez, I hope I didn't change it too much. They they like to keep it light for sure, but they are a great group of guys. But no, it was actually, it was a great episode. I wouldn't, don't take that at all. No, not at all. Uh, personally I, or anything. Cause I, I think it, I think it worked out really I, well. I, I really, <laughs> I really enjoy talking to those guys. And, and when, yeah. when, it, when a Bruins fan can take a dig at a Vancouver fan, even though, it, even though it's nine years later, <laughs> um, I'm not going to miss on my opportunity. Yeah, exactly. You got to jump on that one while you can, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Do you want to touch on your childhood a little bit and growing up in in Massachusetts there and how you got into hockey and that sort of thing there, Matt? Uh, absolutely. You know, growing up, I was, you know, normal, the normal neighborhood, riding bikes, wiffle ball in the uh, in the summer and spring, street hockey year round, skating on the ponds. Um, but it's funny, I I didn't get I went I tried to learn to skate when I was you know, three or four and hated it, vowed I'd never go back. It was cold. I didn't like falling. Um, and I think when I entered kindergarten, uh, the friends were, friends were skating and, you know, I tried rollerblading and they were always just a step ahead of me. So I, I wanted to get back into learn to skate and I don't know what it was. I hopped on the ice and absolutely loved it. Those first couple strides, I, I, I was just eating it up and I was so excited to, you know, jump over that hurdle of not liking it. And, you know, from there it was skating for the town, you know, the mites, the squirts, the peewees. And I think when I kind of entered, uh, you know, middle school, middle school was when the, the love of hockey just grew, you know, exponentially. I, I truly just fell in love with the game. And you hear that, you know, the saying, it, it became eat, sleep, ho- eat, sleep hockey. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and that it was, it was spot on. I, uh, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, skating for the town, but then trying out for the select teams and skating there. And I, I, I just got, um, I just got so much better and, you know, more confident in myself and confident with the puck. Um, and, and then, you know, if we fast forward to high school, um, you know, when you, when you get to high school, it's, it, it's such a cool, cool feeling. Um, you're a 14 year old and you're walking the halls with 18 year olds. But when you think back and when you, when you think about the high school hockey team, it's, you know, you remember the days when your nose was pressed to the glass, watching the high school kids play. And, you know, as a, as an elementary school kid, these high school kids were idol, like idols right. to us. And, um, and, and you forget about playing for the, in the NHL, it was, you wanted to play for your high school hockey team. And, um, and that, you know, that never left even entering high school. Right. And just, just that role models for you as a, as a young kid, it's such a interesting perspective to have. No. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, you, uncles that were coaches, you, 
you'd beg them to get in, get you into the locker room. And you know, looking back, it's, 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 it's funny to laugh about, but you know, these, they were, they were idols and, you know, you, you would talk about them um, it, on the pond and it, all of our friends really wanted to play high school hockey. As far as the States goes, Boston has a large hockey following there already, but obviously there's basketball and football that are dominant there as well. Were you and your friends, were you attached to hockey and that's, that was your idols or did you want to play football and basketball or baseball or anything else too? For me, for me, it was, we all grew up playing little league, um, you know, soccer, the, the, the pop Warner football. Um, and many of us played two sports or even three sports. It was the uh, football, um, hockey, baseball. And in my case, it was golf in the fall, um, hockey in the winter and baseball in the spring. Um, but there were definitely, you know, a core of us, a group of us that hockey was, you know, number one in, you know, you played football and, and baseball in the other, other seasons kind of just to, you know, stay busy and hang out with your friends. Uh, but hockey was definitely, at least for me and our core group, was uh, by far uh, by far our, our favorite sport. I know always just kind of driven by hockey from that, you know, somewhat young age. As soon as you got into athletics, hey, there, there wasn't really a, a point in time where you saw yourself as, oh, maybe I'll be more of a baseball player. No, no, it, it, it was hockey. And um, it, it, hockey is just, it's it, it, it's the greatest sport, you know, in my opinion. And um just the team and you know, the camaraderie and, you know, getting to the rink at, for those early morning practices and those early morning games, you know, you, you have to be a bit crazy. And so I think we all uh, just, you know, tended to stick together and, you know, we really, we really grew to love the game. Really just, yeah, that camaraderie driving, that was going to be my next question was what, what had driven you so much to hockey. But I think that's true with a lot of team sports when you look at it and that, that camaraderie, I, th- I think, you know, as you get into adulthood and and maybe you stop playing sports as much, I think that camaraderie is something that adults are really, you know, continuing to kind of drive for and, and missing in a lot of ways. So it, it makes sense that that was, you know, there's obviously a big, um, you know, get, kind of not not boys club in a bad way, but, you know, that that getting out with the boys and, you know, running around the town or whatever else and yeah. and getting into some reasonable amount of trouble with your exactly. with your hockey buddies or football buddies or whatever that that's that's a big driver when it comes to team sports. Hey, 100% could not have said it better. So when you, when you played golf was that I'm I'm I enjoy golf nowhere near being a good golfer but don't really know too much about it was it more of a golf team growing up or was it more like entering tournaments and more of a separate solo sport? So, you know, we, again, I think golf and hockey really go together. Um, you know, I, the same motion, the same, you know, boys wanted to get out together just to get away for a couple hours. Um, and, and growing up, you know, all summer, one of our parents would, you know, there were four of us on our side of town that different parent would drop us off at the course sometime in the morning and come back sometime in the afternoon. And we would, we would play, you know, 18 or 27 holes and, um, and I remember the summer before I got hurt, I, uh, I, I started, I started getting pretty decent at, at, at the, um, pretty decent at, at the, uh, at golf and at the sport and, um, you know, going out just golfing with my dad and, um, entering the, in, in the fall for the golf team, it was, um, it, it was part of the high school team. So there were, 
like uh, 14 of us on the team and, you know, eight would, eight would play every match. And, uh, and, you know, for us, you know, Norwood, Norwood, Norwood's home course is Norwood country club. And by no means is it a country club. It's a, um, basically just a parking lot and golfing, you know, it, it, we, we, we felt bad for other teams coming to get us, but we, you know, if you played Brookline, you get, sometimes you got to play, um, the country club where the U S open is being held in 2022 or 2023. Um, and, and the other courses around us were beautiful. So, so we, we, we really ate it up and, you know, kind of abused the system and got onto these, some of these most, um, just class, pure class courses right you had kind of your stomping grounds that were more home but not not as prestigious and then no you by no that to, get, to get into the you know more prestigious sites and and, and play a little bit more of the you know beautiful I, I, and serene courses i guess exactly our, our course was like bushwood and uh and caddyshack and okay we were, uh, <laughs> and, and we were uh you know, going to other very nice courses right okay i gotcha so so as you you know you've kind of brought us along in the in your your story, um, heading towards high school. So now as you, you approach getting into high school hockey, what, what was that, you know, kind of step up like from, sorry, I'm not super, super familiar with the American system. So you would have been in, it was, what is it like Bantam or Peewee before yeah, high school? So, yeah. So I, I'll, I'll kind of take you up to about, you know, right about like before, like the, this kind of the accident and that, and then we, we can go from there. Sure. Uh, but in middle school, you know, middle school, your peewees and, and bantams and, um, and, and we, we had great teams, uh, all the way up. We were really lucky. Again, we had a core group and, um, just, just a really good group. And so when we got to high school, um, we didn't have a freshman team, but we had a varsity and JV team and freshman year, you know, make the JV team, um, on a third line and really not giving it much. I, when I look back on it at the end of the year, I, I, I really, I realized to myself that I went through the motions. I didn't put in much effort, you know, didn't really care about practice, didn't care about any of the off ice stuff. Um, and, and I think at the end I, I was, I was angry at myself because, you know, a game that I love so much, I didn't put in much effort, didn't try to make a, you know, chance to stand out and and make a move to stand out so i remember going into you know the summer that i was like all right let's let's give it a little bit more effort and uh so that sophomore year fall you know as i'm on the golf team i'm also playing the town uh the town team uh and that's when you get to midgets and with with midgets it's either you know it's go one or two ways every game there's a fight you know people want to take each other's head off or there's a game where they're competitive and um, and it, you, you have good hockey. And right. for us, for us, we there were definitely games that went you know one way or the other. But that whole year, I don't know the, the 20 games you have that year, we had more than eight guys maybe once. So out of a 36 minute game, we were skating, double shifting and triple wow. shifting and. And, you know, you're on the ice for, you know, 28, 29, 30 minutes of the game. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, and, and at the beginning of the year, it was, uh, it was tough. We, we, you know, you come out of the summer and you're, you're not in shape, but by the end of it, 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 we all, you know, seven or eight of us were very, 
we're much better players than when we started at the beginning. And, um, you know, our legs were stronger. We're confident with the puck. Um, so I remember going into like the week before, you know, hockey tryouts, there's a, there's a town camp and it felt good. It felt, it felt really, you know, really strong. Um, and I it was, was really looking forward to tryouts. And I remember first day of tryouts, I, um, I looked around and felt like I could compete. Um, made it through that day of cuts, came back Tuesday and felt just the same and made it through Tuesday's cuts, made it through Wednesday's cuts, made it through Thursday's cuts. And I was cut on the last day of tryouts on Friday oh. and um, was, was devastated. And, and, you know, I came home and I wanted to quit and told my parents that I wanted to quit. Um, yeah, I, I was devastated. And, you know, they looked at me and said they'd support me in any way. Um, but to go think about it. And I remember marching up to my room um, and it, it didn't, it didn't take me long, but I realized that, you know, I'm not going to quit. And I changed the way I started looking at the situation. You know, I started eating better over the next couple of weeks, you know, running, working out and shooting pucks every day, you know, just, just really giving it that much more uh, attention. And before you knew it, the hard work started to pay off. We would, um, you know, uh, I'd skate in a game with the JV team and stay after for the varsity practice, or um, I'd, I'd skate in the JV practice and then stay out for varsity. And then, it, then those reps started coming more and more. And um, I, I remember I, I was only practicing with the varsity team and then, you know, you, you get a Jersey, but you know, you're not going to dress and um, still working out, still, you know, eating it up. And you know, there, were, there were afternoons that you would skate for two and a half hours and, uh, it, it was just great because you know you're you're making progress, but also you're with your friends. You know the friends were excited, um, and then I remember I got put into the lineup. Um, I got put into the lineup against Walpole. First game I ever played was uh, our biggest you know year town rival, and it's a game I will never ever forget. Uh, it's you know you step on the ice and it's so loud that you feel like you're still have your, your skate guards on. You can barely stand. You turn, you look, you see the crowd. Um, and remember, we won that game uh, six to three. Um, we, it, it, it was, it, I, I did not sleep that night. It was, it, it, it was the best feeling, best feeling. And uh, we played Natick um, the middle of the next week, um, one, two to one. Um, and then it came time for Weymouth. Okay. So, you you were three games into your varsity career at that point. Is that correct? Or three two? games in. Uh, I Only two. Weymouth was going to be my third game. Was going to be your third game. And so you have this, it's all this like upward trajectory. And you have this perfect initiation heading into varsity. You know, all this stuff that you've worked for. And then, yeah, if you want to, if you want to take us into yeah. To yeah. what yeah. happened. Absolutely. So I, I, you know, that week is. Uh, midterms at school and chest is a little bit broader, heads a little bit higher. Right. Um, I, I it just, it, it was, it, it was everything I, I worked for. It was everything mm. I worked for. Um, and I was really, you know, really excited. So the, uh, the game against Weymouth was uh, Saturday afternoon on January 23rd, uh, 2010 um, at a rink in Hingham. Uh, it was late afternoon game. So, Boys are riding a little bit of a heater late afternoon game, you know, excited to go in, do our job, you know, get a W and kind of see where the night took us. Um, 
so we're all excited and all looking forward to it. Um, and I remember going down, going down to the rink um, on the bus, and the bus was quiet. It, it normally was. I remember getting to the locker room, and the locker room at Pilgrim Arena is a closet. It is you're on top of each other, and 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 some some hockey players, you know, they're a little bit superstitious and have their ways of putting on their gear. And right. um, I, I wasn't over superstitious, but you had a way of putting on your gear. It was left leg first and right leg and left sock, right sock, and, you know, left skate, right skate. Just, just, it was just a way of doing things. And I remember, I remember sitting in the locker room and fumbling with my gear, putting right leg on before the left leg and, and I don't think I probably thought of anything then um but over the years i've looked back on it and and uh just just as a little huh like wonder why that happened but and and before that story matt you you weren't a super really really superstitious guy but you did have your process and you were particular about how you got dressed or whatever and heading into the game routine yeah exactly it was exactly so you know the first period starts and we realized that we are pretty outmatched mm-hmm. and um, you know, it, it, our coach is letting us hear it. And um, my line definitely, you know, our line definitely did not, definitely did not have it. And we would, one of us would skate and uh, two other forwards would jump in and two of us would skate, one would sit. And it was just about mixing and matching. And mm-hmm. we, we didn't have it in the first period and coach let us knew, but I think before we even left the ice, you know, walking in down the runway, he, he was letting us know that it was time to step our game up. And I think it, when, it, when I look back on it, I don't remember anything that was really said in the uh, first intermission. Um, I, my, my, my visions, uh, my memories kind of just discombobulated. But when the second period started, it was more the same. We weren't skating very well. And, and so we we're mixing and matching. Finally, it sound, looked like we started to get some momentum and, Coach turned and looked at all three of us and said, now go do something. And I remember I hopped the boards and so second period, you know, your, your zone's the opposite end. So I hopped the boards and looked to my right and I see that the puck um, is headed towards our end. So I start to skate after it. When I get to the blue line, um, the puck moves from our face-off dot, kind of is heading towards behind the net and I accelerate. Um, no, as a forward, you know, I'm totally out, out of position, but I, I wanted to make up for kind of the way I was playing and try to give us a, 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 a jump start. And as I got the puck kind of at the goal line, headed towards the back of the uh, net, it bounced off my stick and I hit the boards and actually came back between my feet. And at the same, at the same time, uh, I felt the player on the other team kind of converge on me. We collided. I lost my uh, footing and ended up going headfirst into the boards um, and you know, one of the first things that you're taught in hockey is that when you get hit, you know, you get back up, you get back in the play. Right. So I sent that, so I sent that message to my body and nothing happened. I, um, I, you know, brief, brief second of, you know, what's going on, sent the message to my body again. And, uh, again, nothing happened. And I think that's when, you know, the panic, um, the nerves and, kind of the shock took over and I sort of blacked out. Um, when I came back to it, I remember being face to face with, uh, the mother of one of my best friends and 
she was uh, trying to cut off the cut off my uh, chin strap or move my chin strap around. Um, and she was with the EMT. She she's a nurse, and so they, the her and the EMT were talking. But when I looked around, I saw that there were uh, quite a few sets of legs on the ice. Um, uh, it was ear, you know, very eerily quiet. And that's when I knew that it, this was the first time that I realized that this was more serious than I thought. Right. I remember looking. I remember looking at um, seeing my mother's shoes and seeing that her jeans were wet up above the ankle, which let me know that she'd been on the ice for uh, quite a little bit. Kneeling there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So what's, at that point, you start realizing that it's more serious than you had originally thought. And what's kind of going through your head at that point? Like, is that, is it just sheer panic? Are you actually being able to form kind of thoughts or? Yeah, you know, so I'm going to try to, try to, you know, put it in as, as, understanding make it most as understandable as I can, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of thoughts. So I remember the crazy part was, is that it, it, most, I'd say most, you know, high school players would agree with this, that um, the dads stand on one side of the rink and the moms are up in the stands and the other, and they're both, both right. cheering as hard, both cheering as hard as they can. Um, and this particular, particular uh, night, my mom got to the game late. Um, came in, stopped, said hi to my dad behind the net, and it, she wasn't there five minutes. And uh, I'm telling you, I hit at their feet. They were, wow. they were, they were the first. They were the first faces I saw, and I think my dad recalls just seeing the the pure panic on my face. Um, you know that something was different. So they made their way to the ice. Um, I remember how quiet it was. Uh, I remember. Um, I was told, you know, that coach was talking with my parents and, you know, saying maybe it's just a stinger, maybe it's just a stinger. Um, I, I started, you know, getting very uncomfortable. It felt like, felt like I was just being suffocated of just crushed by layers and layers of wet concrete. Um, they were asking if I could feel the stuff. I thought I could, I, then I couldn't. And I remember Mm -hmm. I, I, I said these words over and over, uh, you know, for a good, you know, 15 seconds and they must have sent, you know, just a shiver through the spines of my parents. But I said, you know, mom, this is serious. Uh, I can't move and I can't feel anything. Um, no, I, I, I can't feel anything. Uh, this is serious. I remember, uh, talking to uh, the mother, of Mrs. Cathcart and she said, do you, do you want anything? Like the ambulance is on, on the way. And, you know, Brendan was, Brendan is one of my best friends, her son. And I said, let me talk to Brendan. And I still can hear to this day, you know, her head uh, snap around and coach yell for Brendan. And I can still to this day hear the ice, you know, crack as he got close and got down on a knee. And I said to him, I said, you know, Brendan, same things I said to my parents. I said, this is serious, buddy. Uh, I can't move and I can't feel anything. And, uh, you know, he's probably sent shocks up his spine and you know we both started to cry and just just the way mrs cathcart just the way mrs cathcart could she said to him if you're not going to do anything if you're not going to help then get out of here and so he wow. he, he, he he went back to the bench um you know, that, kind of that told, was the the nurse mother right so she's yeah, she's all business yeah. at that point oh she she is she is in mama bear um 
mama bear mode and you know, yeah. says to him says to him you know if you're not gonna help get out of here you know, yeah just just the way that she could and she went back to the and then you know getting on the backboard and being wheeled off the ice you see it in the nfl you see it in, you see it in all sports that when a player gets wheeled off and their fist goes up or their finger goes up or the thumbs up goes up because at that point you know the crowd erupted and from a dead dead quiet arena to um a rink that was you know lively and just supporting me and i remember trying my hardest just to just to give a thumbs up or a, or a, a finger just to acknowledge them that i how much it meant um uh, and, and i couldn't and that's and and that was tough yeah i can't imagine like you're just you're putting all your effort into trying to do that and it's got to be i mean obviously this whole that whole incident would have been extremely scary but especially like as the you know the steps keep going further and further and you're 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 now getting wheeled off trying to lift a hand or give a thumbs up and not being able to do that i'm sure must have just been a like a horrifying feeling no and 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 you'll hear as i as i more like i the more i get into it you know the more my mind starts to race at oh man this is serious i feel the rush of cold air going outside um, n- not that the rink isn't cold, but you know, there's a difference. There's a crisp in the air. Um, you smell that fresh air, and I am uh, it, it put into the back of the str- uh, back of the ambulance. And I, I remember kind of sitting there for you know just what felt felt like a long time. Um, but of course, you know, they were strapping me in, and um, I remember looking up at the ceiling and just the bright lights in the ambulance. And um, one of the EMTs was looking at my looking at down on my legs and the other uh, uh, paramedic that you know, jumped in and uh, was, you know, l- looking down at my knees. And I, I started to just, you know, wonder like, did what, ha- what just happened? Like, was that even serious? Like, was that real? You know, what, you know, what world mm-hmm. am I in right now? And the, and the ride in the ambulance from the, from the rink to social hospital took, took what seemed like hours. Um, we had, we had to go very, very slow. Um, you know, there are a lot of potholes and any bumps, you know, you, you're, you're risking more damage to more damage to my neck and uh, more damage to uh, just anything that was going on. And uh, I, I think, right. you know, when looking back on, I think, you know, my parents, they didn't know, um, you know, I think they were still holding out hope that maybe a stinger back concussion. Um, but let's see what happens when we get to the hospital. And just like I've, just like, as I felt that, um, burst of cold air going into the ambulance. I felt it same, same when I was going out when I got to the hospital and we got to social hospital and immediately, you know, they came up to my parents and said, he's not going to stay here long. He already has a bed at children's. Um, we're going to kind of try to stabilize him. Um, children, they're going to come down and get him. Um, you know, they're, they're basically, he's basically theirs now. And, and, and they, mm-hmm. I think that made us, you know, feel very, uh, at least it made my parents feel very, uh, you know, safe and uh, understanding that, okay, you know, he, he's, he's going to go see the, uh, the big guys. Um, but when I was there, I, um, I was there maybe an hour. I had a few x-rays taken of my neck, um, a few tests being done. Um, and it was just a flurry of activity around me and, you know, they were cutting off my jersey and cutting off my, um, cutting off 
you know, my jersey, my equipment, and making sure I was comfortable. Um, and this is when it hit home. It hit my dad and hit him like a ton of bricks. I, I remember. I I don't remember this, but he remembers it. You know, clear as day. I was on the uh, stretcher and you know, doctors were nurses were asking me questions, and he said that my arm started to fall. And it fell off the table and just hung there. And he, uh, he, um, he says it, it reminded him of just a belt just hanging over the, you know, closet, you know, uh, hanger, just hanging there. And that's when, that's when he lost it. Um, that's when it hit home to him. It really, you know, really, really threw him for a loop. Um, and my mom was, my mom, my mom went into captain mode and rock mode and kind of turned to him and said that, you know, you have to keep it together. If he sees you losing it, he's going to lose it. And so I remember I was given some medicine. Um, I was intubated. Uh, my breathing started to go. And, uh, you know, I remember before that, uh, before, before being intubated, I was still kind of conscious. Um, I wanted to know what was going on. And my mom said, let me tell him. And she came over, looked over me and said, what was going to happen? And I was going to go to sleep and she was going to be there when I woke up. Um, and I told her I loved her. Um, and from there, I really woke up at Children's Hospital uh, really five days later, four or five days later. Um, and, and what happened in that in that time? Did, you, did they, I'm assuming they told you? Um, so, you know, so when I was, you know, asleep and heavily, heavily sedated, I, um, I had surgery on my neck. I, uh, I had surgery on the back of my neck to stabilize the, uh, the cord and the, um, the vertebrae, yep, the vertebrae. And, and they rolled me into the front and wrapped a cage around it. Um, and during, okay. during that time, they, you know, show my parents, um, the CAT scan and the MRIs and, it was like it, it was like they took a perfect you know chisel and cross and hit it once on the c4 and c5 vertebrae and they broke into four perfect um four perfect uh fragments um i was super super lucky that this was the first of many times i was lucky that there was no uh no fragments you know hit, hit the cord uh my cord was uh, severely bruised uh, but there were no fragments and no lacerations to the cord. So that, so that, that was a first. That was a plus. Um, I remember kind of coming out of it uh, a little bit. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't remember when or how I was told what had happened. I, mm-hmm. I just knew it. And I, it, it, it's weird looking back at it. I, I just knew what had happened. And I'm sure I was told at some point. And, um, but I can't tell you when I exactly, I can't pinpoint when exactly it was. And, you know, hearing that I, I asked why a lot. I asked my parents, and, mm-hmm. you know, my parents would, one would stay on over the night. Um, one would go home and try to get some sleep and they would switch off during the day. And one would stay the other night. And I, I always talked a lot at night and, or tried to talk as much as I could. And we ended up making a board where we could sound stuff out, but so I, I'd, I'd mouth to them. I said, why me? why did this happen to me and what did I do to deserve this? And, you know, it was, you know, positive reinforcement and, 
Um, and th- that, that, that lasted, um, you know, quite a few days, uh, the shock of what had happened. But at the same time, I had what felt like a revolving door of people coming in to see me, to, you know, family, friends, hockey community, the town of Norwood. You know, it, it was then that I realized that there was no way I was going to go through this journey alone. Um, my dad's one right. of my dad's one of eight. My mom's one of six. Lots of cousins, lots of aunts and uncles. Um, and you know, I, I I started to look at you know the positive and 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 not you know letting this negative sink in. And, and I re- I remember I I set a goal that I was going to work as hard as I can, you know, for as long as it takes, and you know to beat this. And you know, I'll I'll never stop working towards that goal. And that goal is to walk again. What, what has that journey been like over the last 10 years to regain that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we'll jump around a little bit and we can come back to uh, children's obviously, but it's, it's been, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky. Uh, this is, uh, you know, you, you think, you know, say how lucky I am and you think, how, how can you be lucky? And there's, there's so many, so many ways I, I, I can go down the road, but it's um, the, the support I have. It's the, the friends I have, the family I have, you know, there's no way I've gotten to where I am today alone. It's, it is truly, has truly been a village to get me to where I am today. Um, and uh, I, I'm very, very grateful for that. And uh, they, you know, they really friends stopped seeing the chair, you know, after I got back from Atlanta, just two or three weeks and, you know, they see Matt and, uh, you know, with, with at Norwood and at Stonehill, I, 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 I had such a support system that, you know, it made me realize that, you know, not only, how, how am I going to let my, how can I let myself down if I'm not going to try? And I have all these people rooting for me. Like, and how can I let them down if I decide to throw in the towel now? I, I realized that. Right. You Sorry, you almost feel obligated to kind of yeah, exactly. keep pushing for them as well. Exactly. You know, I, I was 15 at the time, and I'm 26 now, and it's I still have a long life ahead of me. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I don't want – I didn't want then, you know, to lock myself in my room and in the dark for the rest of my life. Right. You wanted to keep pushing and, and keep living life to the fullest at the end, exactly. you know, for la- lack of a better cliche, but no, it, yeah. is, it is true. So I, um, I wanted to just take a step back as far as your, um, your road to like the physical recovery there. So after you're, um, injured in Massachusetts, you had to go to Atlanta for how long? And was that for surgeries or was that more like re- rehabilitation? Um, that was, uh, I left, so I was hurt January 23rd. Um, of course, you have all these dates tattooed in your mind. I left. Yeah, I'm sure. I left uh, Children's Hospital uh, February 17th uh, for the Atlanta, uh, for Shepherd Center in Atlanta, and they just they just specialized in uh, spinal cord uh, injury rehab, and and they were great. They have a uh, they have a, a an adolescent whole floor, so it was me with kids my age going through the same or similar things, and you know, you could really talk to, uh, balance ideas off one another, you have fun with one another. 
and then just be in the gym with, you know, kids your age, it, it really went a long way. And I, I returned uh, from Atlanta back to Norwood on uh, May 5th. Uh, okay. Uh, so it was, it was just under three months. Do you, are you still in contact with any of the other um, patients in from Atlanta? I am. And uh, I, there's a, there's a part in my book. Uh, there's a part in my book when I, you know, I, I talk about, one of my first days down there, an individual, you know, came into the room and wheeled into the room, and uh, it was Anton Clifford, and he uh, he kind of was, you know, my 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 big brother down there, kind of kind of introduced me to a lot of people, and it was so funny how the passing of the torch, um, it's you look back and you, I was doing something like that for another individual, and you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So it, it, yeah, it's it's a great. It's it's a great spot down there, and and they really, you know, really teach you what it's like to navigate the world in in a chair, and what to look out for, and what to be prepared for. And you know, my parents learned a lot, I learned a lot, and we kept saying, you know, it didn't mean you know learning how to navigate the world in a chair, you know, doesn't mean it's going to be forever, uh, but but you have to learn how to do it, you know, live in it for now, right? Um, and and just that mindset, you know, really you know, really went a long way. And, uh, it, it was really, yeah. uh, really had an impact, uh, really had an impact, you know, as, with my time down there. And, and, and I was incredibly lucky that, you know, that support that I had at children's hospital traveled down there with me. I had friends and family and visitors almost every weekend I was down there. And, um, wow. it, it, it just, you know, speaks to how you know lucky I am with, with who I have around me really does take a village like you mentioned and i mean you you've touched on the obviously the the other kids and the staff at the children's hospitals and in atlanta um obviously your friends and family but we saw um on one of your uh the one the interviews you'd done when we were doing a little bit of research before this you also had some nhl players and bruins have also reached out to offer their support to you um what what's that been like like that's obviously not um an ideal setting we'll say to, to meet those people in whatsoever, but that, you know, as a big hockey fan, um, growing up and a a hockey player growing up, that had to be, you know, the special for you. Uh, Incredibly special. Um, I, when I, when I woke up, you know, the, the first, you know, the the first day at children's hospital, I, um, I saw the, uh, black and, you know, black and gold in my room and, uh, on the back of the Jersey, uh, it was a uh, two mat stay positive and it was signed by Patrice Bergeron. And it's funny. I'm actually looking at, looking at the Jersey right now in my room. Um, wow. <laughs> and, 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 and that, that was enough that, that lifted my spirits, spirits tenfold. And, but when, you know, my dad brought over, uh, what came with the Jersey spoke even louder and, and, and it was a handwritten note from Patrice um, and it, Patrice was, you know, 24 at the time, 25 at the time, um, maybe even younger and, you know, took time out of his day to write about, just write, write me a quick little note that, that he was thinking about me. And, um, you know, he, he, he had through like a year and a half before that went through a tough injury with, um, a concussion, um, and, and telling me that, you know, you know, to be patient and stay positive and, you know, listen to, you know, the, uh, doctors around me and 
um, it, it really went a long way. And then just from that, you know, you got letters from every peewee kid in the, in the state to players, uh, grandfathers that played hockey back in, back in the fifties and sixties. And it didn't matter how long they played for, but when they played hockey, they felt like they were part of that fraternity. And I, um, mm-hmm. I got letters from the Greek national team and I, I blown away with, by the support that was, um, that we were receiving. And it, it, it meant so, so, so much just to go through those letters and, you know, hear that they're rooting for me. And, uh, it really went a long way. And, you know, you received uh, jerseys from uh, other teams. And I, I got, I got almost, I think I got almost every franchise, you know, uh, Jersey uh, at somewhere in the house. Um, Interesting how tight knit that community is really to like reach out like that. It's hey? unbelievable. And I think, I think because, I think because they, you know, they know where they came from and they were, that camaraderie and being in the rink and the sacrifice and uh, just being around everyone else. I, I, they know what it was like. And, and it's really yeah. easy to picture yourself in that situation when you're a player too, right? Like it could easily be you that it happened to easily. Everybody knows uh, the risks associated with contact sports, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was just so lucky that the NHL, um, and in in lower levels, it, it didn't matter. That I was just blown away with the support I was receiving. And you and we saw that um, you had also, sorry, had uh, for as far as specific players, um, Andrew Ference had reached out to you, which of course is an ex, you know, not at that point, but would eventually be the Oilers captain. Um, yeah, and it, it's funny with you know with with Andy and uh, just just going going in to see Patrice. Um, you know, at games and, you know, see him after the game, other, other hockey, you know, other Bruins you had heard my story. And it's funny. It's, they want to just come say hi. And you don't get that in any, in any other sport. Um, and, and Andrew was good friends with, uh, who eventually became my running partner, uh, who I've done ladies marathons with, and they were good friends. Um, and and it's, it's funny to, you know, think about the relationship with, Andrew and Patrice and just so many others, um, you know, me and Andrew have a little bit of a bigger brother, little brother, really, really, really like to rub each other. Right. Um, and, and we've been doing, been doing that since, you know, since I met him. Um, and me and Patrice, it's a little bit more cordial. Um, you know, it's, it's, but I, I tell you, it, I, I pinch myself, you know, all the time. And when you think about it, when you go in and it, it, it's, 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 it's an amazing feeling. And I'm, I really hope I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, embellish it at all, but to be able to, you know, call these guys your friends and have them in your corner and having them reach out to you uh, really goes a long way. And with Patrice, I've see, I'm able to see firsthand the smile he brings to so many kids when he has them into, into games and down to see him after the game. It's, um, I, I really look up to him as, you know, a mentor and just the way he treats people. It's, um, and, and how much he gives back, uh, it really, really had a profound impact on me. You know, I don't want to make it sound like they're, um, these guys are doing it for selfish reasons by any means, because it's, it's a completely selfless act when you see, you know, players reaching out to people in your situation or any other sick kids or anyone else struggling with anything really. But I think in your case, Matt, it is really, 
I, I think you provide a lot to that friendship or that relationship as well. When you look at, I mean, your story and how, you know, more or less positive you are and how, how much of a war you are, you are through it and how inspirational that is. Like I, I can obviously, you know, we don't, we don't know any of these guys personally, but I, I imagine that that, that provides quite a bit for them as well, even though they're obviously providing support to you as well. Well, I, listen, I, I thank you. That, that really means a lot. And, um, uh, and it, it's, 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 it's their doings and their, um, that, you know, keep me so positive. So I did want to, um, we've, we've got, we've got lots more questions if you still have time, honestly. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I know obviously now you have a more or less, would it be fair to say you have a, you have quite a positive relationship with the game of hockey still? Uh, absolutely. I, where do I go? Uh, I, I think, uh, trust me, I miss the game like crazy. Mm-hmm. I miss the game like crazy, but I have no, I have no ill will towards the game uh, at all. And I think that my love for the game has grown even more, uh, you know, through my injury. And I, I, I see it, you know, I see it from a different angle and going back to the high school. Um, I, I, I sat in the corner, but I played a more of a role of a coach and I just got to see the game from a different angle and grow to love it. I just grew to love it even more. Add a different perspective to it. So did you have like throughout the course of your you know, post injury, as well as through your recovery, did you have many moments of that, you know, like ill will or animosity towards the game or, or, or the player that you collided with or anything like that? Or, or did you not find like, my point is, I guess, is you would, you would think it would be very understandable for you to have ill will. And I'm curious why you don't like, that's very impressive to me. So I, I think, I think what, what did it was, um, was you know meeting meeting Tyler and uh, Tyler was the individual racing for the puck with me. I remember one night at Children's, I I called my mom over and this was 4 a.m. 5 a.m. as doctors were starting to do their rounds. Um, I had woken up and called her over and I said to her, I said, you know, you know, why me? Why did this happen to me? And I ran through the questions and I clearly wasn't happy with the answers she was giving me. <laughs> so I so I so I started to change the subject. Um, <laughs> And, and something hit me. I, 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 I looked at her and I asked her, I said, you know, how's the boy from Weymouth? Um, I, I wanted to, you know, learn about him and how he was doing. And um, um, yeah, and it just hit me. And I, I said to her, I said, I, I want to meet him and I, I, I want him to come in. And she said, absolutely not. And by no means was she, uh, did she have any ill will on um Tyler or, or Tyler's family, it was by no means would it have done. It w- wouldn't have been fair to him. Yeah, I to guess. See, to see me, to see me on a ventilator with these machines, with these machines, with these um, tubes. So she said, "Let's hold off on that, and when the time's right, um, we'll we'll get together." And Tyler came up um, about a, a few weeks after I got back from Atlanta. Uh, family came for a cookout and stayed for you know four you know four hours and um and we we never talked about the never talked about the game never talked about the accident um and we didn't have to we 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 jumped into uh jumped into the Stanley Cup playoffs that were going on um and I I give my friends so much credit 
and it's so much respect that, you know, in the weeks after I got hurt, uh, a few of my friends, you know, reached out to the Weymouth team and reached out to Tyler's team and, you know, had them up for a couple times, had them up, uh, up, uh, in, in order for a couple, uh, couple nights and just, you know, letting him know that there was no ill will on him. Um, so, you know, it, from there, it, it immediately, we realized that, uh, there was no animosity. And I think that, that played a role in the, into not, you know, not having really any effect on me and the love of hockey. That shows a lot of maturity from a high school team and, and both you guys still being that age to not hold, you know, not hold any grudges and really just show that maturity to understand that that could have happened to anyone. And super important too for Tyler and his mental health, right? I mean, I'm sure he was devastated watching that happen after, you know, thinking, and, and I mean, he did, right? Cause, cause it to happen and to, to heal himself too, because I mean, he, he's a victim and a part of that too, right? It was, it was an accident. But could not have said that any better. And I think, you know, I think I, he, I know that he had, you know, thoughts on playing the game anymore, whether it would, if he was going to play it or not. And both, you know, my mom and dad said to him, you are going to play this game. You're a great hockey player. You're going to continue to play this game. Um, and, and then, you know, I think, you know, the more we saw each other, you know, they, you know, any, any, you know, hard feelings he had or any, any, you know, grudges, uh, not grudges, any, that's the word I'm looking for. Any, you know, thoughts that, you know, bad thoughts that he had hopefully um, went out. And I, I know they did because he, you know, went on to play college hockey, um, won a national championship in division three. Oh, nice. Um, and, and he's still, and he's still playing now down in, um, down in the SPHL. So, you know, he's, he's, he's made, you know, quite the career from him, a career out of himself. And uh, he's, uh, I'm, I'm happy that it, I'm, really happy that it, it's continued this way and I'm lucky it's continued this way. Well, and, and you're to credit for that too, right? I mean, you're the one that's helping him get over it um, and, and to, to stick with it. And I mean, that, that speaks volumes about your character for yourself, right? Like you talked about having to stay positive throughout all of this. And if, if you weren't positive and, and had done what you've done over the last decade and starting your foundation and everything, right? I mean, it would probably be a lot harder for him to deal with that too, just knowing, you know, that I'm you're sure. depressed and, and all that there too. Right? So Yeah. Like so, yeah. if you had, yeah, I can't imagine if either you or your team was as, you know, didn't treat him fairly or blamed him or, or said some hurtful things. I imagine that would have been pretty detrimental to yeah. him continuing hockey. So, wow. That's, I'm honestly like my, my, my head is spinning. It's a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible story. And I mean, I, I just can't get over how like truly an impressive, impressive it is based off your outlook. So not that I want to, you know, I, I want to really focus on the positives because you seem like a very positive guy. Um, so I, I don't want to get hung up on the negatives, but I imagine throughout that process, there were a ton of highs and lows. So what what kind of, you know, coping mechanisms or or what have you, did you find helpful for as far as like the mental challenges along the way? Because I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of points that were were very difficult for you to overcome. Yeah, it's, you know, like everyone, I have good days and bad days and, um, but I am so, so 
so lucky that, you know, these bad days don't linger. I, I, I think just by choosing to see the glass, you know, half full really kept me from worrying about and, and wishing, man, I wish this changed. I, 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 I realized that I am paralyzed and, you know, my life has changed, but it did not end. You know, I, I really, I made that a point of that is that while, you know, it has changed drastically, I'm still alive. I I'm, I'm still 15, 16, I'm still 2021. 20, I'm still 23, 24. You know, don't let these years get washed away and, you know, it, keep, keep going forward. And, and really, you know, the motto that we came up with was simple. It's two words, but it's, it's never quit. Um, and, and I, I'm so lucky that I, I have these friends and family members that, you know, that we laugh, we joke, we smile. We, we have these normal days um, and, and the friends, you know, hang out with the friends. We go out, we um, get into a little bit of trouble. We um, going to school and living at school all four years. Um, I made sure that I was not going to let the injury define the way I was going to live my life. I was going to live with it the way I wanted to and, you know, change the normal things that we had to change in order to do so. Wow. You know, I, I think part of it is I just, I can't even imagine um, going through that. But I think that's one of the things where, you know, you, you give a lot of credit and I mean, rightfully so to your support network, but on the same time, I mean, I, th- I think it, it does truly, you know, I'm not trying to pump your tires too much, but it does truly take a remarkable, um, person and outlook to, to overcome that. So I do, sure, I, I yes. want to get back to your, your goal. Um, and that is of, of walking again. So, I'm curious of your, you know, you look at the, there's obviously medical advances, you know, every day and every, every week and month, luckily, and we're in a, a time of rapidly advancing medicine. Um, so specifically with spinal cord injuries, is that something you're kind of constantly following and getting updates on? Or do you have more of the mindset of, you know, if or when a breakthrough like that happens, it happens? Uh, both. I, I, I'd say both. And more of the latter if and if and when when it happens, um, it happens. And I think I've I I've thought about that maybe more in the later mm-hmm. years, um, but but not 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 tremendously. I've, by no means has my goal changed. I, I go to physical therapy you know, three days a week, um, keeping my body healthy. Um, you know, for when that day comes, that they come calling and say, Matt, we're ready for you. I'm ready. Um, but you know, I. Y- y- in this community, in the spinal cord injury community, you hear stories all the time that people were told they would never walk again. And, you know, some of them are running, some of them are walking, some of them are walking using marathons. Some have gotten back, you know, a little bit less, um, but they're proving people wrong also. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, But, you know, we, we're listening to everything that's, that's going on with uh, like the stem cell uh, research the implants that are happening. Um, mm. And, you know, right now they're focusing on like acute injuries, uh, injuries that are lower than mine, but it's the, it's, they got to make sure they get that right, you know, before they start working back. Right. Kind of in, inch up to that, that accomplishment, I guess, but like, definitely exactly. a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, positive um, progress. 
And like you said, I mean, the, the guy that um, I'm a bit of a football fan myself. So uh, Ryan Shazier with the, with Pittsburgh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but yep. he was, he suffered the spinal cord injury um, playing football and was told he would never walk again and, and has been walking. So it's, you know, was able to regain that. So I definitely, remember watching, I, mean, I remember watching that Monday night game and uh, it happening and, you know, time stands, you know, time stops as I'm watching and I'm thinking, man, I, I probably have a good feeling on what's going through his mind and our, our friend group lit up and you see him walking at the uh, SBs. And so every spinal cord injury is different, but you know, you know, there's something out there and there's so many, so much people working, so many people working on, working on that goal again. Right. And, and hope is such an important thing. So you just keeping that mindset of, and, and not, you know, wavering on your goal. I feel like, you know, in my unprofessional opinion is, is very important. It's funny you say, you know, hope. And uh, I, I sometimes talk to, uh, I, I gave a talk once at, you know, at Children's Hospital, to the neuro, neurosurgeon concussion program. And, I, and I, I talk to them and I say, you know, hope is a very powerful thing. Um, and I, I tell the doctors and, you know, the nurse, nurses and researchers that you have to be realistic. You have to be realistic when you're talking to these families. Um, but hope, hope is a powerful thing. And it's, powerful for the mind. So while, while you don't want to blow smoke, you know, in their face, it's, it's, you know, keep, keep some hope alive. And, you know, with me at that hope has been very, uh, hope has been a very powerful thing. You know, we've talked a lot about your, um, support system as well as obviously, um, you know, we, we were just touching kind of off air and Matt, you were mentioning the, the financial strain, obviously with having a serious injury like this. And we're, I'm curious, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to lead you too much because I do want to obviously get your genuine opinion, but is that specifically kind of what, where the Matt Brown foundation came from just how important that support truly is or, or how did that all kind of come to fruition? No, you're, you're, you're hitting it right, right on the head. It's, um, you know, again, I have been so so lucky throughout this, you know, throughout this inj- uh, this injury and, the, and this journey that, you know, I, I've, we, we've, we've have some of the most amazing fundraisers. Um, uh, we don't have to worry that much. And, and, you know, with the support system, it, it keeps me physically, um, you know, physically healthy, but also mentally healthy with the support I get and, and with the friends I have and the, and the family I have. So throughout this journey, you know, I've been so lucky but I've seen so many individuals facing the same things that I faced, facing fa- families facing the same thing that we faced um, without a support system. Um, and because I know how important that is, you know, it, it breaks my heart. So the way, what, what the Matt Brown Foundation, what I wanted to do is, you know, to be there for others the way the Travis Roy Foundation was for me the way the Boston Bruins Foundation was for me, the way they, um, you know, purchased my first wheelchair, um, purchased my first handicap accessible van. Um, it, to be able to, to be there for, you know, an individual or family like that, it's, it, it's our time. And it's, it's, it's something I am so excited to do. Um, and, and just to be the support those that need it the most. That's, I can't say enough positives about that. Honestly, like that's, it's an incredible thing you're doing there. And I mean, um, like you had touched on as well, 
you've 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 said very many times about your your support network and and how much that's helped you. I can't possibly imagine someone going through um you know going through a similar incident or or really any type of injury or illness that's that's that severe and you know maybe they don't have a lot of family, maybe they don't have a lot of friends, maybe you know they don't they don't come from a stable financial background and i just i can't imagine how difficult that would be and and scary that would be and everything like that so that yeah. that's awesome and i think it probably happens more than you think too right so i mean that's such an important foundation to start and have there for people yeah and and it's 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 taken it's taken so long you know we, we've hit a couple roadblocks getting it done but we were established you know established back in the fall I spent um, most of the beginning of 2020 with a uh, class down at Stonehill where I went you know, for undergrad or where I'm going now with an undergrad teacher and a class and we set up a, a PR program and a strategy and a plan. And, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, everything's kind of been put on the back burner with, you know, COVID and, you know, the way right. 2020 is going. Uh, but, you know, hopefully in, in 2021, we're, we're able to do a, a golf tournament, a, a, a get a, a get a team together for the Boston Marathon, have a comedy night, and and just continue to raise money, um, you know, for for individuals that really need it. That's awesome. Well, if there's a, I don't know how much about a golf tournament, but me and Kyle might be interested in popping down for a comedy turn or a comedy club or something like that. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys. You guys want to be the uh, beer girls and yeah, know, get dressed <laughs> up and. Ride around and you know, sling, sling some beer. I look fantastic in some lederhosen, so I'll be there for sure. <laughs> Bingo. I was thinking a different outfit for you, Kyle, but maybe we'll talk about that on the off the air. Gotcha, girl. Is that is that the uh, is that the uh, early two thousands, Brittany? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly just the simple shirt tuck. Yeah. yeah, just flip it yeah. through the necktie. Yeah. Bingo. Either that or the Borat one. I wasn't entirely sure, but one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that is awesome though. And obviously, if you guys can coordinate events like that and uh, and continue, you know, getting that uh, the charity donations and stuff, and and positively impacting, you know, some people that are that are in tough situations. So that that would be absolutely awesome. I did want to um, kind of transition, Matt, and you know, before we wrap up here, you're, you're also, um, very involved, sorry, with your motivational speaking and inspirational speaking, as well as, you know, we've, we've alluded to it a few times, but your book. So I'm curious as you were going through this process, you know, either together or separately, both of those different things you do, how did that interest to pursue that start? Was it fairly early on or at some point did you, Yeah. where were you at? So so I think, you know, they both kind of led into each other uh, it, it, in some way and, and kind of everything's gone in full circle. But I remember, you know, my, in 2000, 2011, uh, early, like the spring of 2011, just about a year after I got hurt, um, my cousin who lives around the corner from me uh, was in second grade and she um, had show and tell and she actually um, asked if I could be. Uh, her show and tell. So I, I remember going, I remember going over and, you know, going in my aunt and my dad were talking, we're like, what on earth are they going to ask? And got a little worried at first thinking, what are they going to ask? And so I remember going through and kind of talking to them about, you know, what happened. And, you know, the first question hand comes up and it's, what's your favorite color? Um, <laughs> the second question is, what's your favorite food? And, and, and we had so much fun with it. Um, and it, the kids were so happy 
uh, I realized that something I, I, I want to get into, and by no means is every talk to, to a second grade class, and I, I've, I've spoken to high schools and colleges and um, organizations. So, so the, the talks, you know, transition to, you know, dealing with change and dealing with adversity. And, you know, I'm not the only one going through it. I, everyone goes through adversity in some way. And it, it's about, I talk about dealing with change and, um, you know, and, and I, I take them through my story. Um, and it, we realized that we had a message that we, um, that we had to, that we wanted to share. And that got us thinking and, and thinking about a book. And before that, you know, I met my co-author Todd Sivan um, at Andrew Ferrance's day with the Stanley cup in 2011. Um, he invited, you know, my family and my, my, myself in, um, and he also invited uh, some of uh, Rick and Dick Hoyt, the, the marathon, uh, the legendary marathon father-son team in the area, and they brought Team Hoyt to uh, Spalding. And, you know, Todd came up to me, struck up a conversation, and Todd had, had done a book for the Hoyts at that time. And he mentioned to me, and we started talking, and he said, you know, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you, you, you could write a book about this. And I was blown away. I was shocked and flattered. And I said, you know what? I, I, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And I would see him at the marathon almost every year, and he'd, you know, whisper into my ear, you know, she write a book, she write a book. I said, I'm not ready yet. And then I got, went to college and I remember senior spring, you know, sometime like end of March, early April, I, you know, looked around and all my friends were talking about things they were going to do after college. And I thought to myself, if I go home without a plan, my parents you know, ask me what I'm going to do. And I say nothing. I am going to be on the street in no time. Um, <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would kick my butt. You know, so I started writing down you know, memories and stories and every little thing that I would uh, wanted to you know, write about or memories and just what the book would like. like. And I remember I, three weeks after graduation, I texted him and I said, it's time. And I sent him what I had. And he said, you know, this is how you write a book. And starting in the fall, um, late, late August, we, we would have a call every Saturday and he would read through what I wrote and it would, um, you know, he'd ask questions and it was all about getting more detail. Right. He'd record that. He would send it to me. I would transcribe it out. And, you know, by the time we got a year and a half later, it was just about, you know, cutting, cutting and pasting the, the story. And it, by the time we got there, everything really just flowed naturally. And I, uh, um, and I, I was, I remember two weeks before, you know, the book was set to launch and we were mailing it out to our Kickstarters in December. I was panicking on the back deck that I added too much. I didn't add enough. No one's going to like it. I should have done this, should have done that. And my, my dad had to, you know, talk me off the ledge and said, <laughs> it's fine. You know, my dad had read it twice at that point, loved it. And it, it's, it's, it's blown me away that you know, the response it has gotten with our target audience was kids, you know, 14 and 25 going through the everyday adversities of high school and college and, you know, dealing with just growing up. But we were wrong. We've gotten messages from, you know, parents and you know, folks a lot older than that. And you hear, you hear, you know, it's helping them with, helping people with their fight for, um, you know, fight with their and, uh, fight with uh, uh, 
going through. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all, it's all been so, so worth it. You know, that little, that little freak out I had on the back deck, I'd, I'd have a hundred and 200 of those again, just to do it all over again, because of, you know, the book has had an impact on so many. Well, it's, it's difficult to put yourself out there like that. I can imagine. Hey, is it, was that the kind of the biggest, you know, anxiety, Absolutely. if that's the right word for that? Yeah. I, I put some of the darkest moments of my life out there for people to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was tough going through those, uh, those, you know, dark days and those early days, but I felt it was almost therapeutic because, you know, I, I got to talk about and, you know, you know, hear about those early days. And, and then I realized how far I've come. Um, it's uh, like, while I'm not at my goal yet, I've come so far since, the, the earlier picture of me with my eyes shut on the in, in children's hospital with you know a ventilator completely completely you know breathing for me on my own right. um, it, it it's I, I've come a long way and I've accomplished um some amazing feats and I uh I, I I'm very I'm no, I'm very happy that with the way the book the way the book came out and you know, that's helping so many people. Inspirational that you're not really uh, resting on your laurels, as they say, I guess, though. Hey, like you are, you're still pursuing your master's and still still pushing to to obviously, you know, getting the, the foundation up and running. Like that's, you have accomplished a lot in the last 10 years and still still making that push. Yeah, and, and, and by doing all of it, it, you know, it really keeps, keeps, keeps my mind o- occupied. I, uh, you know, keeps my mind busy, keeps it looking at the positive. So I, I think probably subliminally, subliminally, it's uh, and subtly, it's 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 my mind saying, stay active. You don't want to go through any of those uh, you know, those dark you know thoughts again. Right when you kind of yeah, when you get you stop pushing and you get a little bit. I don't know if complacent's the right word. I guess. But yeah. Yeah. No, spot it, on. Okay. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I really just wanted to ask you, I, I know you earlier were talking about getting to meet Bergeron and, and Ference obviously too, right? Um, I, I wanted to know, did you ever get to meet that rat Marshawn and is he a rat as much <laughs> off the ice as he is on the ice? He is, he is the best. He is, uh, just such a great guy. Uh, I, I see him down in the, um, I see him down in, in, in the tunnels every once in a while. And I, I'm so lucky that we've, we've, we've gained a, um, you know, we've grown a relationship, uh, just the two of us with uh, me and him. And, um, you know, he's a jokester. I'm sure you can see that. Um, but listen, I'm telling you right now, if he was on your team, he would be, he'd, he'd, he'd be a guy that you'd root for. Uh, whole wholeheartedly i'm i'm just joshing i'm sure he's probably know, a great I dude and i, I can't he's quite hilarious of a person but <laughs> you <laughs> threw that? me off there i uh <laughs> the one thing i will say on that matt is uh maybe just wait until after the whole covid thing's done just you don't want to get licked by marshawn just in case no 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 yeah <laughs> um trust me once once there's a vaccine i, I I'll, I'll throw my i'll throw my cheek out there uh, <laughs> more, more times than not fair enough no i'm sure he is a good guy it's one of those things where you can't really you can't judge somebody's character based off what they do on the ice for the vast majority right yeah no trust me i uh, i would as a bruins fan i would never say he goes over the line i would never say that <laughs> um, um but no it's uh who he's on the ice is not who he's off the ice. And I am 
so happy, you know, that he's on our team when he's on the ice. Yeah, no, exactly. One of those things, I mean, we, we can't like, you know, you look at the Oilers and you look at Zach Cassian and every single Oilers fan absolutely despised him before he was an Oiler and now he's a fan favorite. So it's one of those things where you, you kind of, you love him if he's on your team and you hate him if he's not, yeah. but good, good to see that he is a, you know, a good guy on the, uh, off the ice he and has been supportive and, and, and like everybody else has, I mean, it's, yeah, especially with the, you know, the most recent negative stuff coming out about the, the NHL culture. It's, it's great to see that there's, there's a lot more positives coming out of that community than there are the, yes. the bad stuff you hear about or anything like that. Right. I, I, I could not agree there. There's, you know, there's bad eggs and, you know, everywhere, but I think the NHL is filled with many, many more good guys. Well, we do, uh, you know, we really, really want to thank you um, for coming on. We will make sure all of your uh, info, as far as your book, the foundation, everything like that is on our social media, as well as the description below for anybody listening. Um, Just kind of in closing, you know, I I wanted to, one of the things I had thought about that kept kind of popping into my, my mind as we were, as we've been chatting today here, Matt, um, like you, I think it really, you really hit it on the head with um, everybody going through adversity. And it's just varying, substantially varying degrees of it. Obviously, you've you've gone through a lot of adversity, you know, earlier on in your life than than a lot of people will go through to that level. Um, but it's it's great to hear you acknowledge that. And I mean, I know I've always had, you know, it sounds it's not profound in any way, and it's a fairly simple cliche. But I've always kind of had that thing anytime I'm you know, whether something's not going right at work or with a relationship or whatever, that, that little bit of a saying that I say to myself and it's in struggle, you'll find strength. And I think, um, from now on, whenever I, uh, whenever I think that to myself, it's going to be difficult to not, not think about you and your story and, and, uh, everything you've been through and, and what you've overcome. It's, it's really, you know, truly inspiring. Well, I, I, I thank you. And I, um, I really, really enjoyed this talk you know it's it's these days like this it's easy for you know you know you you, you get caught up and get caught up in the negative and um hoping for you know normal times to be back to normal and this um this was really a uh mood booster so i thank the both of you guys so much you know for even thinking about me and, and having me on and i uh anytime you guys are in boston you guys, you guys have a friend and I'd be, I'd be more than happy to, uh, meet up. Hey, likewise, if you're ever, uh, ever traveling to Alberta or calls in Montreal. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe, maybe we can, uh, stay in touch and you being a big Bruins fan, uh, you know, maybe next time the Oilers and Bruins play, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to have a little bit more lighthearted of a conversation. <laughs> 100% count me in. Before we, uh, before we end it off here, I do want to just mention again for anybody listening, can't name drop this enough. Matt has, his book is everywhere right now. It is titled Line Change, A True Story of Resilience in the Face of Adversity. And Matt, is that, I know Amazon is obviously a big bookseller. Um, do you guys, do you have um, distribution in Canada? You guys at Chapters or Indigo or anything like that? Um, Sorry to throw you on the spot. I do not think, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's just Amazon right now. Okay. Well, we will, uh, we'll drop any links in our description, like you said, and, and get, um, everybody checking that book out. Hopefully it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting read. I know it's definitely one that, uh, that Kyle and I are looking forward to reading and, um, best of luck with, uh, the Matt Brown foundation and everything else you have going on, man. Thanks guys.